This can be played at high volume. Live and local, this is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Are you ready? You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And welcome everyone to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home, the one and only home. For the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers here in Southwest Louisiana, appreciate you listening in however you're doing so, be it through 1037 Lafayette on the FM dial or 1041 out in Lake Charles, 1037thegame.com, or on our free mobile app, smart speakers, you name it, you can catch us anywhere, anytime, any place. And the place to dial us up, if you want to get in on the conversation, not too many opportunities to get your shots up on this show this week. We're loaded with three really great guests. We'll get to those a little bit later in the program. But if you want to call us up and get in on the conversation, and trust me, there's a lot on the table. We got LSU baseball, Cajuns baseball in their regionals, and they're looking good. They're looking good, I think, in some cases, a little bit better than I think many of us expected and I'll talk about that in a second. But the number to dial, I think you already know, but it's 337-706-0111. 337-706-0111. Get in on the conversation about anything. It's a wide open space here. And I'm not going to say it's a safe space, but it's a space for you to jump in and talk about what you want to talk about. Because trust me, there are a lot of different ways we can go about this on a Louisiana Saturday morning and a perfect way to start it off each and every Saturday. If you're new to the show, let me give you an idea of how we start things off here because there's one topic that I want to get to more than anything else that's causing all this. It's gotten me all motivated and happy on a Saturday morning besides the fact that it is beautiful. LSU, Astros, Cajuns, they all won. So it's a pretty damn good Saturday already. But one thing that's got me fired up more than anything else and we do that now with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. And we start this bad boy off with a look at the Louisiana Raging Cages. Let's go more deep into what happened last night on the baseball diamond. What I want to say is I got three words for you. Don't doubt Degs. It's funny how things change in the blink of an eye. I remember about two weeks ago, heading into the final game of the regular season, I felt like the Cajuns, that at-large ship had sailed. And it did. The ship had sailed most definitely for the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. I even thought that the Cajuns had definitely a difficult road to win the whole thing, even though they didn't have to play until Wednesday, according to the original schedule. But again, a lot like wrestling, the card is always subject to change. And this was a prime example of 
the card being subject to change. With all the weather going on, things didn't necessarily go right. But then we get to Friday, the clouds parted. The rain's gone. You can see clearly now. It was like the Reds see those clouds part in the Cajuns. They saw a pathway to getting to the top of the Sunbelt Conference and winning the championship and punching their ticket to the postseason for the first time since 2016. And that's when I learned a very important lesson. Don't, for a single solitary second, doubt Degs. I put it out on Twitter after last night's win. Don't doubt Degs. For even a second, I heard people, I was in conversation with somebody a couple weeks ago, and they said the thing that kind of, just jarred my mind and made me really reconsider this person as a friend and saying that I think they should let Deggs go. I'm like, hell no. This is the time for him to really shine. I think he's only got a couple full seasons under his belt and there's been a lot of turmoil. So I can't necessarily say, yes, that was the direction to go in that take. It was a bad take in my mind. Maybe not to yours, but it is to mine. I think what we saw in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament was a prime example of that. They took advantage of the fact that it was just it just took them three games. Three games, treated like a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And it looked great heading into that championship game. The fact you were able to finally overcome the beast that is Texas State. If I could have thrown down some shekels of the Cajuns winning the Sunbelt Conference, I probably would have. Because I proudly support the Vermillion and White, and also from my degenerate perspective, I'll never learn from my past failures and continue to bet on who I root for. I don't know why I do it, but I just do. But going back to the original point, don't doubt Deggs is the three words that I've learned the most. And he said it at the beginning of the season. And it really shows how much chutzpah he has and how much respect he has for the guys on his team. He fights for these cats. And why do I say that? Because he said it at the beginning of the year. This was going to be a regional team. I don't think a single soul had them projected that way. But lo and behold, the Cajuns, they punched their ticket. It was an uphill climb on Sunday. Because you're able to steamroll South Alabama. You had one of the best performances from a Cajun pitcher in a good while from Jacob Schultz. I think it's been a few years since we've seen somebody have that kind of performance where he was just straight Onions, this the entire game, complete game effort. Fan and 12 to punch their ticket to the Sunday game. El Jefe, Jeff Wilson stumbled a little bit, couple home runs. Cajuns were behind the eight ball early. And then all of a sudden, some doubt started sprinkling into my head. And then I remembered the phrase I keep saying, don't doubt Degs. The Cajuns, they were the, without a doubt the underdogs. But a lot like the Goonies, they never said die. This is their time now. Doubling down on some Goonies references. Damn good movie, you haven't seen it yet. And they pulled off what many thought was unlikely and punched that ticket to the NCAA tournament. It was impressive to see what they did from start to finish. And getting that. And now it's time to prove those doubters wrong again. And it started last night. They got a tough draw taking on Texas A&M and TCU in a really tough regional college station. But at any given time, a team like the Cajuns could pull off an upset. If Barry Horowitz can win a match, I think the Louisiana Raging Cajuns are a team that can get to a Super Regional against all odds. Because I said it before, I'll say it again. Don't doubt Degs. 
for even a solitary moment. Don't believe me? See what he did. See what that program did over the last week or so. Because, again, they headed into it, to me, relatively speaking, limping into the postseason. Limping into the conference tournament, getting swept by Texas State, and then taking only two or three from a pretty lowly Little Rock program. And I'll end with this. Going back to the conversation I had a couple weeks ago. And I shut that thing down the second it came out of his mouth, and that's the notion that maybe it's time to move on from Diggs. First of all, there's no way that's happening anytime soon. And that was even before the tournament when I said this. I, I was in that mindset before the season even started. Because I understand, people want results now. This is a society nowadays where it's all about instant gratification. I get that completely. Here's my counterpoint to that take, to that notion that the Cajuns, LSU, a lot of other programs across the country that have that mindset of if we don't do a certain thing at a certain time, it's a failure. Here's the counterpoint to my statement from him. Number one, I think the biggest one, one with a bullet, he's only had two full seasons, and there's been a lot of change in that program from the day he set foot on campus. 2020 happens, the COVID year. Season gets cut short just as the team was starting to pick up a little bit of steam. 2021 rolls around. That Cajun's team got a little bit better. They took steps in the right direction. They controlled their own destiny. They controlled their narrative. And at the end of the day, what I saw from them was impressive. In 2021, they bounced back and looked good. It They didn't get to the NCAA tournament, but sometimes you just have those setbacks. And the fact you had the weird-ass schedule with the blocks treating like it's a New Japan tournament. And there were a lot of changes because they had a lot of upheaval, guys transferring in, recruits, all that stuff. And then you also have the umpteen million scholarships, the extra year for guys like Brennan Bro. You had all those things going on. And the team chemistry had to develop a little bit more in my mind. This is that time. A lot like Ed Ogeron, where it took him three years to win a national championship. Mind you, he had one of the best players in the history of the game in Joe Burrow, but that's a different conversation. It took Deggs three years, two full seasons to get this team back into the NCAA tournament. And people want to say they want to get rid of Deggs. I feel like these people are very much in that entitled instant gratification. I understand that this is, in the world of sports, no matter what level, no matter what sport, it is a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of sport. Unless you're the Philadelphia Phillies and you haven't done a damn thing in over a decade and you continue to let this franchise just go to, you know what, in a handbasket, that's what you're going to get. You've got to take the good with the bad sometimes. And I have the fact that I think the other big thing for me is Deggs has respect from the fan base, especially when it comes to the big money donators. Having that respect because Deggs, it's one of the greatest stories. If you don't know about it, go look it up. His story. The fact that he's in College Station this week in a place that fired him at his lowest point and now he's back at a pretty decent point in his life. He's he's good. He's found himself. He's 
cleaned up his act. This is a great moment for one Matt Dex. I know he won't say it's about him, but I'm certain when he woke up this morning, had himself a cup of coffee, if he even drinks coffee even, I don't know. But if he's drinking some coffee, I'm sure he thought about it. Today's the day he gets to play against a team that let him go. The moment where he was at his at his most vulnerable, if you will. And absolutely brings everything full circle. And sometimes that's the great part about sports. Full circle. Case in point, Texas A&M and TCU, everybody probably projected was going to play in today's winner's bracket contest. I'm sure a lot of people thought that. That's not the case. You're seeing Deggs against Jim Schlossnagel, the former TCU head coach. The storylines were abound here. But seeing Deggs being able to play against a team that let him go and it reminds him a lot of darker times, let's put it that way. But more importantly, seeing him back on that campus, I'm sure that definitely makes him feel good because he was not in a good place. Rove picked him up, cleaned him up, and more importantly, got him to be a better person. A lot like what he did, what he did with a lot of players. He did the same thing for Matt Deggs. I think that respect he has for Robe, the same respect he has for the Cajuns baseball program, that's going to keep him along and around for a good while. A lot like I think Coach Dez with the Cajuns now. He'll be staying there for a good while because I think he understands. And he's smart as a whip, but I think he is going to be a Cajuns guy for a good while until he decides to part ways and go somewhere else down the road. But that's a different conversation for a different day because college football – We're going to put that to the side a little bit this week. We'll get to some SEC spring meeting stuff at the top of hour two. But outside that, it's going to be very much college baseball, NBA finals, and also high school football because some stuff happened over the last couple days on that end at LHSA spring meetings. We'll be talking about it so much more over these next two hours. But we'll keep the college baseball talk rolling right here because the Cajuns aren't the only ones from the Pelican State playing in the NCAA baseball tournament, and more importantly, we'll talk about what the hell happened last night with LSU, the Cajuns, and so much more next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, where you're home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. And also, we got Tyler Batiste joining the program at the bottom of the hour. We're going to talk some NBA Finals with him as the Celtics try and go up 2-0 as a person who put money on the Warriors to win it all back in February, hope that's not the case. We'll talk about that and more right here on Under the Dome with CD. Keep it locked right here on Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think, when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. We'll talk about them in just a moment. Tyler Batiste joining us in about 10 minutes or so. 
give or take a few, depending on how things go. The phone line is open for this segment, 337-706-0111. But if you want to boot, scoot, and boogie, guess what? The Brooks and Dunn Tour is coming to the Gage Dome next Thursday. And here's the thing. We've got your chance for free tickets. And trust me, free is some of the free is some of the best stuff ever. Like it's the one of the best words in the English dictionary. Especially nowadays when ticket prices are sky high, you've got a chance to see Brooks and Dunn live and in living color at the Cajun Dome this coming Thursday. Now all you got to do is hurry up if you're driving, hand the phone over to your passenger and tell them to text this right now. Reboot. That's R E B O O O T to 68683 reboot to 68683 that's right you can score a pair of passes to see brooks and dunn this thursday night at the cajun dome also special guests jordan davis and dylan carmichael will be performing so make sure you get in on the action and win a pair of tickets from the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles we are southwest louisiana sports station your home for the tigers and the houston astros speaking of those Tigers, that's where I want to start off here on this segment. And I wrote it down in my notes as how the hell did LSU win that game? When I wanted to write how the bleep, and you can kind of figure out what bleep I'm talking about, but how the hell did LSU win that game last night? They were down bad. 11-4. to It looked like Kennesaw State was going to pull off eight massive upset. If you were putting money down on the Kennesaw State team to win that game, you probably were feeling pretty damn good heading into the eighth inning. Hell, I felt pretty confident that I was going to have to set this thing up to have two games. I was getting nervous about it, not going to lie, because I'll be at Downtown Rising tonight. So I'd have to do a little multitasking if LSU were to beat the team out of the loser's bracket, whose name escapes me right now. But lo and behold, LSU finds a way, and that's the definition of this team all season long, has been they find a way. And I still don't understand how you you somehow, somebody do this. And again, it's not rally possum part de, it's just insanity. Everybody came up huge in that eighth inning. I have not seen a game like that in a good while. Seeing a 10-run eighth inning. If you missed it, it was just wild and crazy from the second things got started. You had, you know, them down 11-4. to four. Started off with Jacob Berry, of course. One of the biggest acquisitions this LSU team has had in a good while. Come from Arizona. His dad was a former Cajuns player. Dude absolutely came up huge with a big RBI single, getting that ball rolling. You had a couple more RBI singles, a double from Thompson, getting one across. And then you get to the point where Dylan Cruz, hands down, I think one of the best players LSU has had since Alex Bregman. And that's not a really hot take. It's relatively mild. People compare him to Alex Bregman. But Dylan Cruz, without a doubt, has been one of the best hitters and the best clutch hitters in the history of the game for LSU baseball in recent memory. And he hit a two-run double to give them the lead. And then you have Pearson, 
who was in God mode last week against Kentucky in the tournament, that first game against Kentucky, I should say. And he had two run, two run single as well to seal the deal, give him a little insurance or insurance as a guy foot likes to say. But it was impressive that that team somehow, despite the fact that they were completely out of it early on, when you have your ace only go two and two-thirds of an inning, that's not a good look. You had to rely, and Riley Cooper didn't do much better either, allowing six runs and two innings of work. It was all about Devin Fontenot. Devin Fontenot did a bang-up job in relief, going about three innings, six strikeouts, very good stuff. Now, LSU's got to turn it back around tonight and try and duplicate that against Southern Miss, who is one of the best teams in the country and deserving of that spot in the NCAA tournament as a regional host, which is cool to see. I'm not going to lie. I'll get to some more stuff about the tournament and what happened with the Cajuns last night. But I like the fact that we're seeing more regional hosts be group of five teams. It's not just one anomaly. you got two out there. You've got Southern Miss. I mean, that's two off the top of my head. You've got Southern Miss and soon-to-be and soon-to-be Sunbelt Conference in Southern Miss. And then you have current Sunbelt Conference team, Georgia Southern, who absolutely deserve that. They had a fantastic schedule. They, they worked it out right. Their RPI was on point. The only real bad part of their RPI and negative was conference play, which really shouldn't play into it. I'm with Kevin Foote on that point of view. But they put together a really solid effort from the word go. They set up shop perfectly. If you're LSU. And now they play Southern Miss. My question is, can they duplicate that if needed? And I think it's going to be. Because we've talked about it for weeks. Just based off of the, all, all the observations that I've seen. LSU's pitching is going to either be the reason why they win or why they lose. And for the most part, it's been why they lose. Especially when it comes to outside of game one. If Mikhail Hilliard is dealing, you win that first game. Now you get to the second game and you're playing a much, much more difficult opponent. And last night, you barely eked out a win over a team that you should have been able to handle easily. But somehow, someway, you don't. Now we get to the Cajuns. They had a knockdown, dragout fight. This was 12 rounds, and it was a fight and a half. And as somebody who loves a good boxing match and seeing two guys just absolutely pummel each other, this was a game I loved listening to towards the tail end of the game. And it was absolutely back and forth, back and forth. And somehow, some way, you use two-out magic, Julian Brock getting things done, tying it up. You have another two-out hit from C.J. Willis with a nice triple to help the Cajuns win 7-6 to six at Bluebell Park and beating a 22nd-ranked TCU. It's fantastic. You also had a really good performance in relief after Austin Perrin, the senior. Shout out to him. He did a pretty decent job as well, all things considered. Bo Bonds did pretty well in relief effort. 
hurling six strikeouts. Very just solid performance from him. He's been a guy that's been low key. Like he had that one week I remember where he was Sunbelt Pitcher of the Week. And he kind of was more low key after that. He was very good after that. Seven strikeouts in four and two thirds of an inning of work. Got it done. Brandon Talley got ran early, but they were able to rally, turn it around, and get things done. Great win by the Cajuns last night. Great win by, I think it's an even better win by LSU because of the fact that they were able to secure a bag and get into the winner's bracket. Because I think you have an easier road. Again, your pitching staff, especially the starting pitchers, is going to be the reason why you either win or you lose this regional. Now what happens between now and then is anybody's guess. If LSU somehow gets to the regional final and beats Southern Miss, that's huge and sets them up really nicely to play in the regional final and probably advance a super where they could potentially play Miami. And the benefit of this, because I don't know if you all saw this, and we'll take a break in a moment, but the regional that LSU's paired up against Miami and Coral Gables, that got postponed to today. They didn't get a single game in yet today, or yesterday, I should say, because of all the weather. So there's a chance where they get that series done by Tuesday. Think about that. Potentially by Tuesday, that series, that regional is going to be done. So hypothetically, if you get this thing done by Sunday, somehow, way, you went three games, you're done, you move on to the next round, you are going to be fresh as a daisy taking on whoever comes out of the Coral Gables regional, feeling pretty refreshed. And I think you have a really good shot at getting Omaha if you play anybody coming out of that Coral Gables regional. feels pretty light, comparatively speaking, to some of the other regionals that I've seen, like the Texas A&M regional. Hell, I think the 16 seed in that regional, the, the last regional host, that is a stack lineup. But it'll be intriguing to see how it all kind of shakes out over the next couple of days. Make sure you check out 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for more information and updates about what's going on with your favorite teams in the postseason. We're going to go ahead and take a quick timeout. We'll talk with Tyler Batiste next right here on your home for the Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles under the dome back after this. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We're your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. And we're also turning 10 this year. It's our 10th anniversary, and we're celebrating it with the game birthday bash. You can join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. Maybe trying to make it a request to have at least one of those TVs 
at B-Dubs playing AEW after crunch time with Miguez and Match, which we'll be broadcasting live from the party. After that wraps up, make sure at least one of those TVs that I'm looking at has dynamite on it. No guarantees that that's actually going to happen. But you can join us at B-Dubs Wednesday, June 22nd from 5 to 9 for the game's 10th birthday bash. They said it never lasts for 10 years, but lo and behold, here we are 10 years later, still standing, and dare I say, stronger than ever. Before we get aboard our next guest, let me just do a mea culpa, because we usually call this guy up and give him his own entrance music, but I'm going to go ahead and do that. Do it right, right now. And the person I'm talking about is, of course, the managing editor for the NBA side of The Athletic. He is Lafayette's own, dare I say, one of Lafayette's finest. That is the one, the only, Tyler Batiste. Tyler, how's it going, brother? It's going well, man. Congrats on the uh, the 10 years. That's fantastic to hear. I wish I'd, uh, I wish I'd be able to make it down to uh, Buffalo Wild Wings in a couple weeks, but... Um, I'll be there in spirit, definitely. Oh, you'll always be there in spirit. Maybe after B-dubs, I make a swing over to the former Popeye's buffet after, too. Just, <laughs> just to pour one out a little bit, because we haven't done that yet. Yeah, no, it's it's still, you're bringing up bad memories thinking about <laughs> it, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little emotional here at 9.38 in the morning. <laughs> that's, that's dangerous stuff, man. That's dangerous stuff. <laughs> but let, let's get started with the NBA talk. I'm, we'll get to the finals in a moment. But one of the other big storylines coming out of the NBA has to be, without a doubt, the Lakers hiring Darvin Ham, a guy that was kind of considered to be a front runner for the Pelicans job a couple years ago. And I think this may be the right move for this franchise in the Lakers that is trying to get back to those glory days. And I think this may be one of those last chances to do so. And getting Darvin Ham in there may be a step in the right direction. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think it's a really good hire. He's been an assistant who has um, coached for the Bucks for a while. He's been a Mike Boonholzer uh, guy. Um, it sort of continues a trend that we've seen a lot recently in the NBA with a lot of hiring of former players to be head coaches. You saw it with the Pelicans last season with Willie Green, obviously Monty Williams over in Phoenix, uh, Ime Odoka, who has the Celtics up in the finals right now. Um, it's sort of been a recent trend, even going back to Jason Kidd, um, who got a, a, a third chance at a head coaching job this offseason with Dallas and obviously did really well there. Um, sort of a trend that a lot of people have been talking about recently of, of ex-players being able to relate a little more to current players because they've, they've been through the fire, they've been through the ringer, they understand what goes into the preparation and um, you know the actual game day in and day out. Um, LeBron James has, has tweeted, you know, his approval, it seems like he's on board with the hire. Um, obviously, with someone like this and someone of that stature, if he weren't on board, uh, I, I don't know if Darvin Ham would have been hired. But, uh, yeah, it looks like a really good a really good fit on paper, a guy who's experienced, a guy who has the support of the players and other people across the league. And, and now it's just about roster construction and making sure that he has the players to be able to have some success. One thing I wanted to talk to you about, because I was going to get you on last week, but I completely forgot that you were out at a bachelor party in Vegas, and shout-out to you for that. <laughs> but I'll, I'll bring this up. Was this one of the worst conference finals, both in the West and Eastern Conference? Obviously, I think for two very different reasons. But just on paper, that was one of the worst 
conference finals that I've seen in a while. Yeah, no, yeah, it, it wasn't probably aesthetically pleasing. I think for obviously for the West, it, that that sort of happens because the, the one seed you know gets knocked out. Um, people were expecting or anticipating a, a Warriors Sun showdown, and, and Dallas had something to say about that. I think in the East, it, uh, people were talking pretty early, even you know before the semifinals started, that hey, Boston and Milwaukee, this might be the actual conference finals. You know, no disrespect to Miami, but. Um, those two teams just had a little bit something extra, uh, a little bit more than what Miami had. Um, you know, Miami was obviously beat up and, and injured. And, um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it wasn't the best conference finals. I thought the semifinals were really good. And, and usually when you have a situation like that, the, the league, through no fault of its own, really can't really, like, follow up the next round. You know, players are tired. Players have been playing every other day by that point. You know, there's injuries that pile up. Um, you start to learn your opponent a little bit more. Um, so yeah, it could have it could have been better, but you know it's basketball. So the, the I'll take the worst basketball over the best a lot of other sports. <laughs> I'd agree with you there in some cases, but it was just it wasn't the best. And you know, obviously, no. in the case of the Warriors Mavericks, it's just the fact that you had one of the best teams, one of the hottest teams, taking on a Mavs team that had really no business being there. They just eked out a really nice win series win over a Phoenix Suns team that I think was a little bit overrated in terms of their seating, and then you kind of look at the Celtics' heat, it was definitely competitive, but at the same time, the first few games just were incredibly lopsided. But let's flip it on over to the finals. Game one uh, on Thursday night, excuse me. That was one of the most incredible collapses I've ever seen because that Warriors team was firmly, firmly in control heading into the fourth quarter, and I like their 3-1 lead against the Cavs a few years ago. That thing fell apart quick. Yeah, no, it was it was really shocking. I mean, when you when you look back and see what happened, um, especially after how the game started with Steph Curry, you know, knocking down six or seven threes or whatever it was in the first quarter, getting out to twenty one points. You kind of thought the Warriors being at home, the Warriors being the more experienced team when it comes to NBA final situations, that this one was kind of over from the start. But you got to give credit to Boston for adjusting and. Uh, you know, making things work for them and, and getting that victory. You know, it's, it was a it was a Golden State collapse, but you know, I think credit, like I said, kind of goes to Boston. When you're a team that's in the NBA Finals, you're not a bad team, so it shouldn't really be a surprise that you're able to withstand, you know, double digit deficits or being down really late. Um, obviously, Boston got some really uh, timely hot shooting from Al Horford and, and Derek White, and even. Even Peyton Pritchard coming off the bench and giving them a little bit of a boost um, was beneficial to them. But, um, you know, when a team comes back like that, you sort of expect it to be on the back or backs of uh, its superstar. And, and, you know, Jason Tatum wasn't really that for Boston. So um, they've got to be feeling really good that they were able to, um, to, to collapse Golden State, rally back and win, and have their best player, Jason Tatum, not really um, have anywhere close to one of his better games. Talking right now with Tyler Batiste, managing editor for the Athletic on the NBA side. And I got to say, there's just so much going on with the Warriors. And, you know, I, I saw game one and I'm like, Steph Curry pretty much carried that team on its back. And I think that's just the trend of this team has been once you see them kind of pick up the pace and get things done, and, and you need to have more than basically my thing is you need to have a whole hell of a lot more than Steph Curry if you're going to win this series if you're Golden State? Yeah, you know, they, Jordan Poole didn't really have a good game. Um, I think that that really hurt them. Um, they're going to have some decisions to make probably later in 
the 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 series as to whether they want to go with Jordan Poole, who's a plus on offense, but probably a, a big negative on defense. Or if Gary Payton II is healthy enough to play, I know he was available in Game One after that elbow injury. Uh, didn't see any time, if I'm not mistaken. If he did, it was it was very limited. You know what he gives them defensively. Does that outweigh what Jordan Poole can give them on the offensive end? Um, that'll be some of the, the the interesting coaching decisions that have to come from Steve Kerr and his staff. I think the biggest thing is is what they can get offensively from Draymond Green. I mean, the way that he orchestrates the offense without scoring is has been talked about for years. But in a series like this, there has to be some sort of point production. He can't just be a negative, a complete zero out there in terms of scoring the ball. And I know he missed a couple of threes. I think he was only two for 12 in the game. Um, he's got to at least make Boston respect the fact that if he's left open or if there's a lane for him to drive, he's going to get to the rim and do it. That'll really adjust how uh, Boston plays defense against them. And if they have to play even a little more attention offensively to Draymond Green, that opens things up for Steph and Klay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, and all those guys. So I'll be interested to see in game two how much Draymond um, looks to attack early offensively, at least to kind of uh, soften the Boston defense up if they can. Looking at looking at the Celtics side of things, I think Al Horford, without a doubt, was the big story there. If the Celtics win this thing, does it kind of solidify Al Horford's legacy, and could he be a potential Hall of Famer? And dare I say, go ahead and go out on top and hang it up after winning the NBA Finals? Yeah, I mean, I, I think you know retirement is probably certainly on the table if he if he goes out with a with a championship. I mean, he's thirty six years old. He's been He's been in the league for you know 15, 16 years now, and that'll be kind of icing on the icing on the cake to get a championship. I don't know if I would put him in the Hall of Fame level. Um, you know, he's had a really solid career. He's a five-time All-Star, I believe. Uh, obviously, uh, you know what could help him um, with the Naismith uh, Basketball Hall of Fame is that that does include college accomplishments, and um, you know him being part of the the, the last team to kind of go back to back in college, that championship team at Florida. And, 2006 and 2007 with Joachim Noah and all those guys that might help his case a little bit um but I don't know if it's an immediate Hall of Fame call for for Al Horford maybe down the line you know we we start to appreciate his game a little bit more you know and some of those players you know five six seven years down the line um after the candidacy begins he he gets in there but um even if he's not a Hall of Famer I mean you know there's not much that he hasn't done in his career especially if he gets a title um so he can he can go home pretty happy knowing that he uh you know, he had he had a hell of a career in the NBA for a long time, which a, a lot of people a career that a lot of people would would be jealous of uh, not having. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I would be jealous of that if I were an NBA player. The way he's been able to have that lengthy career, and I just like to be six nine. Like if I were six nine, I'd be happy. <laughs> oh, I think I think there'd be a lot of us. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> so I got I got one more before I let you go. How is Vegas? How is watching Double or Nothing live and in living color and being part of that 13 match card? Uh, it, Vegas was great. Uh, it was a long night, a couple of long nights. Um, but, you know, the double or nothing, the, the, the energy was packed, uh, was great. You know, that match, that, that card was really, really long. And I kind of felt the same. Even though I was in the building, I felt the same the way I, that I watch them at home is that, you know, that this, this card could probably have three or four fewer matches. A couple of these could have been spread out around Rampage or Dynamite or something. But I'll tell you, man, it was really fun. And, and that anarchy in the arena match, people didn't know what to expect. So it's kind of a uh, – you don't get that in professional wrestling a lot of times uh, nowadays where something completely unexpected and completely what is going on sort of happens, and that's what that was. When the match started, 
with Mox's music uh, just continuing to play throughout the first you know five or so minutes until Jericho unplugged the, the speakers to get some get some heat in the, in the arena. Um, that match was was just was so fun, and I was a couple of sections away from where Kingston uh, went up into the crowd and started fighting in the concession stand. I couldn't quite get to that area to get my uh, my face on on TV, but uh, you know next time hopefully uh, hopefully at another pay per view I can I can be somebody who maybe tosses a a ketchup packet or something to Eddie Kingston and let let them go to work. Exactly. Let let them pay homage to the the classic Tupelo concession stand brawl. I love that match altogether. <laughs> And, you know, you brought up the whole John Moxley's music kept playing all the way through. It reminded me so much of New Jack and ECW every time he'd come yeah. out. The music would keep playing after, even like while he's whipping somebody's ass. That's the best stuff ever. But, Tyler, thank you so much for coming on, my man. Enjoy the rest of your weekend and enjoy the NBA Finals. Absolutely, man. Always good talking to you. All right, Tyler Batiste joining the program. Appreciate him coming aboard. We'll take a quick time out. When we come back, we got a lot more to get to. Namely, my fave five picks to click for this weekend. Obviously, didn't go well last weekend, but again, a five-leg parlay always seems to fall apart at the most inopportune time. But trust me, we soldier on. And this weekend, definitely more of the baseball side of things on this week's docket, on this week's ticket. So we'll talk about that next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, we are... Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The world famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me 20. Hit me 21. Hit me 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. And it's time to kind of break down my five favorite picks to click for this weekend. Before we do that, we'll take a step back and look back at how last weekend fared. Two out of five. Woof. The only two successes were Red Sox and Rays on the money line. Padres, Hurricanes, and Heat all fell apart pretty doggone quickly over the weekend, so not not necessarily great. But we have a five-leg parlay this weekend that I, I like a lot. Because I'm going more heavy, a little bit of heavy favorites here. I'll go the New York Yankees over the Detroit Tigers at 12.05. They're minus 350. Going Boston Red Sox money line over the Oakland A's, a pretty bad team at minus 140. The Red Sox are favorite. The Red Sox aren't much better this year comparatively, but I think they had the edge over the A's. Minus 180 odds, Atlanta Braves over Colorado Rockies later on tonight. Give me those odds all day and twice on Sunday. I'll also go the money line on LSU over Southern Miss. I am skeptical, but at the same time, with Jacob Berry, Dylan Cruz hitting the ball like you do, Drew Pearson, if he's on God mode like he was during the SEC tournament against Kentucky that first game, I think there's a chance LSU can win this ball game. But obviously, the foot theory is coming into play because of the fact you do have a team that's hit a lot, especially in that eighth inning. 
Can they keep that momentum rolling? That's the million-dollar question. And now comes my underdog special, not quite stone-cold lock of the century of the week, Carl from Aquatine style. But I've got to go with the Louisiana Raging Cage. Set at the top of the hour. Don't doubt Degs. They're plus 165. Let's freaking ride on that. And if that hits, that's $81.77 on a $5 bet. So make sure you get in on the action. Or don't and just be the smart person and individualize these bets. And you can probably want to paying off at least a decent amount. Or maybe take a couple of these and make it a mini parlay. I always like to do a five-leg parlay. It never works out. But again, I've said it before, a blind squirrel does find a nut every now and again. Maybe once you get to college football season, if I still have money during the college football season, spoilers, I will, we can really get that bankroll up and running again. Because I've been able to hit a lot better on the NFL and college football than baseball, the NCAA basketball stuff. But that's a different conversation for a different show. Hour number one in the books. We've got hour two coming up next, and it is loaded with guests. We've got Nico Yanko. He's going to be coming aboard at 10-15. We're going to talk some Raging Cajuns athletics. We're also going to talk a little downtown rising because the Raging Cajuns do sponsor that event tonight at Park International. So we'll talk about that and more with him. And they'll also get to some LHSAA stuff with Hunter Bauer of GoPreps.com. Can't wait to talk to them about all the stuff that happened at their meetings. But speaking of meetings, we got to talk SEC spring meetings. Get into a little bit of detail about what happened there next, right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. <laughs> 